morning. And also to Jeremiah, Ezekiel and Jeremiah. And um, I'll just go ahead and tell you, just to kind of get things going this morning, I had something that different that I wanted to talk about today. And I've kind of relegated that to tonight because God, I think God wanted something else said this morning. Um, so I appreciate Elizabeth kind of on the, at the last minute uh, agreeing to do that song. And these teenagers go to these ball games on Friday night and they scream their lungs out. And then they come to church and they say, I can't sing. And I say, too bad. <laughs> but I do I appreciate her, her singing and I appreciate our, our teenagers and uh, boy, they're doing, uh, God's doing wonderful things in their lives. And um, in a transition period that they're in right now, they are teaching, I'm just going to brag on our teenagers just a little bit. They're teaching on Wednesday nights. Um, and part of the reason why they're doing that, and I'll just be, here I am being honest again. Why should a pastor have to stand before his church and say, can I be honest? <laughs> But I'm going to be, I'll just, I'll just tell you, that I think one of the main reasons why they don't, why they want to be upstairs is because they don't want to be down here. And uh, it's nothing against you all. I take full responsibility for that. They just don't want to be down here. They want to be up there together in their own space together. And so they're up there teaching. And every week they have to come to me. And whoever's teaching that week, whichever one of them has taken on that responsibility, has to come and tell me what they're teaching and how they're going to fill up that time. And the, without fail, they've been doing that. So uh, they're learning how to, to teach. They're getting into the Word of God and they're studying. And uh, they're leading out. Praise the Lord for that. Amen? Because one of these days, those of us that are older are going to need somebody to take our place. So they just might as well be getting ready, right? Right? Okay. Um so today's message is entitled, Oh God, You Know. Oh God, You Know. Now, I want you to just think about that. How would you say that phrase? Would you say, Oh God, You Know? Or would you say, Oh God, You Know? <laughs> or would you say, Oh God, You Know? How, where would the inflection be? Where would the emphasis be? I want you to think about how you would say that statement. And we're going to think about how Ezekiel said those words. Oh, Lord God, you know. And what, what state was he in? What frame of mind was he in? What frame of mind are you in this morning? I think a lot of our people are in that, I'm going out of town this weekend frame of mind. And they're vacating. So that's wonderful that folks are able to do that. Maybe our frame of mind this morning is, boy, I wish I could have gone out somewhere this weekend. Uh, but thank, thank you for being here, and thank you for, for sharing this Sunday morning with us. But what I want you to think about before we read our scripture is this. What in your life <clears throat> seems to be so helpless, what in your life seems to be so hopeless, that there doesn't seem to be a solution? There doesn't seem to be any way around or any way out of what you're in. And I know that everybody in here has a situation or two or ten like that. But what do you do when you find yourself in that type of a situation? 
And Ezekiel, we'll find, was in that type of a situation. And this is what happened. God told Ezekiel to do something. And God stirred Ezekiel's faith. And Ezekiel listened to God. And something amazing happened. Something wonderful happened. So, to start off with, before we read our scripture, and what we've already said, I'll ask you this. How would God direct you in an impossible situation? How would God direct me in an impossible situation? And from there, we can go on to questions like, if he did direct me or when he directed me, would I listen to him? Would I think it's still impossible? Or would I have faith enough to say, okay, God, you're telling me to do this. I'm going to go ahead and do that. So Ezekiel did hear God ask him a question to kind of get things going. And that question was this. Son of man, can these bones live? Can these bones live? And that's exactly what Elizabeth was singing about this morning. So to, who, to whoever thought about their situation a minute ago that was impossible, let's just say, for instance, that your situation is a financial situation and your debt seems insurmountable and there seems no way to attack or tackle or get out of this debt. Would, if God asked you the question, okay, so-and-so, can that dry bone live? What would your answer be? What would your answer be? What if it is a situation like this? What if it's a sickness? What if it's a sickness that you've dealt with for an extended period of time? What if it's something new that has just sidetracked you completely and you don't really know what to do, don't know what, what to do next? And, you know, we have several people in situations, and really most health situations do kind of pop up, don't they? Unless you're sitting around somewhere on a couch eating ice cream and drinking Coke, saying to yourself, probably in 10 years I'm going to have diabetes. <laughs> most health issues are sudden. And, and they, they do sidetrack. So what would you say, at, at dealing with that sickness and all the treatments or all the medication or all the pain that you're dealing with, if God were to say to you, can that dry bone live? What would your answer be? What if it's, a, what if it's an unbelieving spouse that you've been trying with all your might to get to come to church or to get to understand your faith in Jesus? Or what if it's a wayward child and you're trying your best to bring them back around again. And you, you, you brought that child to church. You tried to teach them uh, good morals and responsibility and, and the things of God. And yet they have chosen another path and gone their own way. And it just seems like everything ends up in another argument or disagreement. Or them storming out. Or saying words being said that, that hurt. And if God were to say to you, can that dry bone live? What would your answer be? Keep those things in mind, or whatever your particular situation is, keep that in mind as we think about and as we read about Ezekiel here. In Ezekiel chapter 37, and I don't think I told you that, but I think some of you are already there because it's up there, right? Ezekiel 37, beginning with verse number 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones. 
and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again he said unto me, Prophesy or preach upon these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and ye shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and ye shall live, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied there was a noise, and behold a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came up upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. And then said he unto me, Prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and stood up upon their feet, an exceeding great army. And then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried, and our hope is lost, and we are cut off for our parts. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves, and cause you to come up out of your graves, and bring you into the land of Israel. And ye shall know that I am the Lord, when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves, and shall put my spirit in you, and ye shall live, and I shall place you in your own land. Then shall ye know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, saith the Lord. I'll stop right there. And this is such, a, such an interesting story, isn't it? And I believe as I read it, I think it's just been the fuel for so many things that we have seen over the years. Uh, it has been the inspiration for songs. You know, the hip bones connect, the thigh bones connected to the hip bone, that kind of stuff. But also, can't you just see people who make horror movies just, you know, salivating, thinking, wow, what a great scene that would make. Let's make bones come up and do this and do that. And you see so many things that this, this inspires. I hate to use the word inspire, but people get ideas from things like this in the Bible. But what kind of idea are we getting this morning? What's God speaking to us in our situation? Because there's so much that we can hear in, in these words. Even the words, my people, oh, my people. Hearing God say those words, knowing that we are his people and that he's going to take care of us. But he also, you also see in there, you see despondency, you see discouragement of the people, you see hopelessness, but you see it restored by God who brings dead things to life. Amen? Does he do that? Yes, he does. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about this this morning. Of course, Ezekiel was a priest. He was called into the, the prophetic ministry. He was a prophet. 
he was very much like Jeremiah, and, and actually their ministries kind of overlapped. Uh, but when, when they both had the opportunity, whenever God said so, what they wanted to do and what they did is they confronted Judah about their unfaithfulness. They talked to the people about how unfaithful they had been to God. Do you feel sometimes that you have been unfaithful to God in the way you've lived your life, in the, in the, way, in the decisions that I make? Do you feel that our country as a whole, that we, we stand and say without uh, any trepidation or any concern or any worry that this country was built on godly principles? Do we feel like this country built on godly principles, do we feel like this country has been unfaithful to its God, to our God, to our, to our good, good Father? That's what Jeremiah, that's what he preached, that's what Ezekiel preached as well. And Ezekiel, unlike Jeremiah, Jeremiah wasn't, but Ezekiel was carried away by the Babylonian people, and he was taken captive with the people in, a, in around 597 B.C. And so his message was primarily to the people who had been taken captive. And you can imagine being a prophet, speaking the words of God to a people who are in captivity, and they are discouraged. And they feel like all hope is lost. Do we as Christians in America, sometimes when we turn on the news and we hear about all the things that are happening and we see things moving in a particular direction, do we sometimes feel hopeless? And do we sometimes feel helpless? Do we sometimes need to be reminded that our God is a God of new beginnings and our God is a God of restoration and our God is a God that keeps his promises? We need to be reminded of that. But he was promising, God was promising to restore Israel. That was the message that we're getting in the scripture that we read here this morning. He wanted to restore Israel. So this was a good news message. Even though some people might see it as a horror story, this is a good news message to the people. So we start off this vision that Ezekiel has in the first verse. And he talks about the hand of God being upon him. The hand of God had him. Now, is this a good position to be in? In the hand of God? That's a good place to be, isn't it? That is exactly where you want to be. God reached out his hand and he put his hand on Ezekiel. And you think about your hand for just a minute. That's, the hand is the part of the body that you stretch out and ex, you, ex, you extend it to other things. That's what your hand does. And we reach our hand out when we want to touch something when we want to influence something, or when we want to affect something. And we read that God put his hand on Ezekiel. He wanted to touch him. He wanted to influence him. He wanted to affect him. And when God puts his hand on a, on a person, things are going to happen. Do you believe that? Do we believe that? Amen. Yes, we do. When, when you know that you're in the hand of God, you know that you're right where you need to be, and you know that God is taking care of things. Things are going to happen. Uh, when the early church prayed in Acts chapter 4, they asked God to stretch out his hand to heal and to give signs and what, that signs and wonders may, may be done. And then later on in Acts chapter 11, uh, a lot of the early church had taken the gospel to the Greeks, and they had been successful. And you know why they were successful? And Spreading the gospel? Because in Acts eleven twenty one it says, The hand of the Lord was with them 
And a great number believed and turned to the Lord. So they were successful because the Lord had his hand on them. The hand of the Lord is power. The hand of the Lord is strength. And that is exactly where Ezekiel was. God had his hand on Ezekiel. So right then and there, it should, it should spark our interest because God is going to do something. And he certainly does. So Ezekiel continues on, and he's, he says that God set him in the midst of a valley, and this valley was, was full of bones. Now, we understand the concept of the valley, don't we? In geography, a valley is the low place. It's the lower places. And in our lives, the valleys are those places where we feel low and things are not going well and we wish things were better. And we see here a valley full of bones and death is all around. Death is all around. So in our valley, we experience similar situations. Death may be all around us. Defeat is all around us. Fear is all around us. Hopelessness and helplessness is all around us. And see, Ezekiel understood that too because he was with the Babylonian people. And the Babylonian people had lost hope because they were in captivity and they didn't see anything any better coming or happening. Now, just imagine, when have you ever been in captivity? Uh, as a child, maybe you were sitting outside the principal's office and that felt like captivity. Because you didn't get to go anywhere until the principal got a chance to talk to you. Maybe you felt like you were in captivity when mom or dad said, go to your room, I'm coming right up. And you went up to your room and you felt like you were in captivity. And all seemed helpless. And all seemed hopeless. And you didn't see any way out. You looked at the window and you thought, that's not even a way out. Because I'm on the second floor and it's too far down. But these people were in a, a situation. They were defeated. And Ezekiel was right there with him. And so the captives, the, the, the Israel captives, are like the dry bones. That's the, the, the similarity here. Their hopes and dreams were gone. Their hopes and dreams are dead. Everything had been dashed. And we don't have to really guess, again, why they're in this situation that they're in, because the Bible's very clear as to why they were there. It's because of sin. It's because of unfaithfulness. And before this judgment came, the Lord pleaded with them over and over again for them to respond and for them to repent. And he gave them ample opportunity. How many times in our sin has God reminded us, you don't have to do this? I'm giving you a way out here. You can choose not to do this. And yet we cho chose to go there anyway. And it became a habit and it became a place where we frequented often. And because of that, things began to happen to us, to our health, in our lives, in our, in our relationships, because that sin became more important to us than being obedient to God. And I tell you what, that's where many of us are at today. Maybe all of us are in that situation, needing to be reminded that we need to turn from what the world has for us and turn to God. And he tried again and again to get them to see this. I want you to turn to Jeremiah 25. And it'll also be up on the screen. But Jeremiah 25, I'm going to go ahead and read, beginning with verse number 4. This is some of the warning that the people received. And the Lord hath sent unto you all his servants, the prophets, rising early and sending them. But ye have not hearkened, nor inclined your ear to hear. They said, Turn ye again now, every one, from his evil way and from the evil of your doings. 
and dwell in the land that the Lord hath given unto you and to your fathers forever and ever. And go not after other gods to serve them and to worship them. And provoke me not to anger with the works of your hands, and I will do you no hurt. Yet ye have not hearkened unto me, saith the Lord, that ye might provoke me to anger with the works of your hands to your own hurt. Therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, because ye have not heard my words, and here we go. Behold, I will send and take all the families of the north, saith the Lord, and Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and will bring them against this land and against the inhabitants thereof and against all these nations round about and will utterly destroy them and make them an astonishment and an hissing and perpetual desolations. And that's the beginning of we of us seeing that the people are going to become like dry bones. Listen to this. Moreover, moreover, I will take from them the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the sound of the millstones and the light of the candle. And this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment. And these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years, 70 years. So we see because of the disobedience, that there were consequences. The reason that you were sitting outside of the principal's office is because you did something you weren't supposed to do and there were consequences for that. The reason you're sitting up in your room waiting for mom and dad to come up there is because you did something wrong and there are consequences to that. The reason that Babylon, the, Bla, Babylon, the Blabylonian, let's say that together, the Babylonian people were able to, co- to conquer these God's people it's because they were unfaithful and they, they were doing things that they shouldn't have done. They weren't turning from their sin and turning to God. They weren't trusting in God. And so all of this desolation took place. The voice of mirth, the voice of gladness. You can probably guarantee that the people weren't walking out of their places where they stayed and hopping around going, this is the day that the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. There wasn't any of that going on because of the situation that they were in. We feel that way in our hopeless situations. We don't feel like getting up and saying, this is the day that the Lord hath made. So Israel was sad because of their circumstances. And these circumstances didn't just happen. They happened for a reason. They were consequences. But we don't have a God that just throws circumstances and situations on us and say, there you go, that's what you get. No, these are also and always are they opportunities for us to turn from the way that we're living and turn towards Him and trust in Him. Because these circumstances that are coming and that that seem hopeless are there to teach us and to show us that He is all that we have. And He is all that we need. And He allows these things because they serve that purpose. He allows these things in our lives because they are attention-getters. The prophets were trying to be the attention getters here. Hey, listen, I got a word from God, and this is what God says, and we need to do this. But the people didn't hearken to that as we read in Scripture. And if they had done so, if they had turned to Him with all their hearts, then they would have experienced something completely different, I do believe. But instead, there was a lesson to be learned. And boy, I tell you, sometimes in learning that lesson, we go through a season. And what, how long was this season going to be? You remember? 
70 years. A good percentage of us in here haven't even been on earth 70 years. I'm not going to ask how many of us have, but you know, you get the idea. Okay. So let's talk about let's talk about the the condition of these bones. Let's talk about these bones for just a minute because again, that's the question that God asked. Son of man, can these bones live? So what were these bones like? Well, um, they were like any other bones that you would find that had been laying out for a very long time. Uh, he, Ezekiel said that he had the opportunity because God placed him there to kind of go around and take a look. And the place was full of bones. It's like a, like a bone graveyard type thing. And he looked around and it wasn't complete skeletons. It was just bones here, bones there, bones, bones everywhere. And I don't know, but I don't, how many of you, when you eat a chicken leg, you just suck every little bit of meat or whatever is on there right off of that bone? Do you do that? Let's ask Cherry and JC. I don't think they like chicken at all. But just imagine, you know, you know what the bone looks like when you're done. Now, I usually leave a little bit on this end and on that end if I'm eating a drumstick. And if I'm eating a breast, there might be a little bit less because there's so much good meat on there. But, but, or if you're eating uh, wings. You know, you, there's parts of that you're going to leave there, the, the bones. And they look, they're like greasy, and they got gristle coming off of them, and just kind of gross and disgusting, aren't they? But these bones were different. These bones were dry. There was no life in them. Everything that was more, anything related to moisture had dissipated. It was gone. And these bones had been laying out in the sun, and they were bleached. And, you know, what can be done with these bones? You know, God asked him, is there anything that can be done? Can these bones live? Can these bones live? And I'm sitting here thinking, well, probably the only thing you could do with these bones is make a weapon or some jewelry. I think sometimes people make jewelry from bones. Or um, maybe a tool, something of that nature. Maybe some wind chimes. I don't know. But can they live? I mean, that's the question that God asked him. Can they live humanly speaking there is no way to revive this stuff no way you can't you can't put miracle grow and pour a little bit of water on there and bam they come back to life it's not going to happen it's not going to happen um and again they were just willy-nilly this bone here this bone there not even a, a complete skeleton so obviously the question if, if it were presented to us we would probably say I don't think so, Lord. In our day and time, as skeptical as we are, I, I don't know. I don't think so. But what did Ezekiel say? What was his answer? Let's take a look at that. you got to remember, he was, he was in this vision. He was in a valley, but in his life, he was also in a valley. He was not on the mountaintop. So if he was on the mountaintop and God had asked him, Oh, son of man, can these bones live? He would probably have said, Yes, Lord, you can do it, Lord. You can do anything. I believe that you can. Let's, let's, let's get it done. Let's see what happens. I'm ready to see it. You know, if he was on the mountaintop, he would have felt that way. Now, the last person I talked to that I think was really on a mountaintop was Joe Probst. Do y'all know who that is? But, you know, last week his brother had a health scare. Thursday, uh, he had gone to Winston, and they didn't really know what was going to happen. And, uh, and so... Uh, they were getting ready to take him into surgery, and Joe had talked to his sister, who was at the hospital, to tell her, I'm on my way. And so she said, okay, they've taken him, they're doing the surgery. And I, I think he had said, I can't remember exactly, Joe may have driven 
60 yards in his vehicle. And he got another call. And his sister said, you want to talk to your brother? And he had gone through, sir. They actually just went down his throat, took care of whatever needed to be taken care of, and was done just like that. Now, I would sign up for a procedure like that, would you, if I had to have something done? Uh, and, you know, not, not a long recovery time. That would be awesome. No cutting or anything like that. But here Joe was. He'd been concerned about his brother. He got some good news. He was all excited about that. And to boot, he got to go on. He was going on a trip the very next day that they'd been planning for a long time. And he was on cloud nine. He was on the mountaintop. He was excited. And you could tell it in his voice. Had to hold the phone way out here. You know how it is. Even when you get his answering machine, you have to put it out here. You know, you know how it is. But Ezekiel was the exact opposite. He was way low because of all that, that his people and, and that he had been through and being in captivity. So he didn't say, you can do it, Lord. He was, uh, he was down in the valley. So he was in the midst of discouragement. He was in the midst of despondency that we, like we find ourselves in so many times. And I think that his answer kind of befits his situation. Because his answer was something similar to this. I don't know. You know. I just imagine that's how he answered. You know how sometimes when you're talking to somebody and you're trying to build them up and encourage them and you're like, and your voice goes up a couple of octaves and you're asking questions like, instead of, hey, this is a great day, you're like, hey, this is a great day, you know, just trying to build somebody up. And they're coming back with, I don't know, you know, I haven't even looked outside yet. And I just see that's where Ezekiel is at. You can just feel his discouragement. You can feel the weight of his situation and what he's going through. And it's not an arrogant answer. It's not his being arrogant or angry at God. It's just, here's where I'm at, God. I don't, I don't know, but you know. And seeing everything that he had and his companions had gone through and all the trials that he had experienced, they were taking their toll. But I want you to also hear that in that statement, there is a little ring of faith that we hear. He said, I don't know, but you know. Do you hear that faith in there? He didn't say, I don't know, do you know? Or, I don't know, I don't care. He didn't say that. He said, I don't know, but you know. And I think that's important. kind of reminds me of somebody else in the Bible. You remember Peter? And after the crucifixion, after he had told Jesus, I will stick with you through thick and thin. You don't have to worry about me. I'm by your side. And he wasn't by Jesus' side. And he acted like he didn't even know Jesus. He did exactly what Jesus said he would do. He did exactly what he himself said he would not do. So after having done that, you can imagine, and speaking with the resurrected Christ, that he had been brought down a few notches, ashamed of, what he had said and what he had promised and he didn't follow through and so jesus comes and asks him a question in john 21 he says do you love me and the love that he was speaking of was agape love this was a godlike love so he was basically saying do you agape me do you love me with a godlike love and so peter's answer was a step down it was a diminished kind of love he said this, he said, he used the word phileo instead of agape. Phileo is like a friendship kind of love. But he knew that he loved God. He knew deep down in his heart he did. But he didn't feel like he could just come up and say, yes, I agape you. If he could have said this, 
Yes, I agape, you, I, God-like, love you. Remember, I stood by you. I told you I wouldn't deny you, and I didn't. And if he was able to say that, then he would be on the mountaintop, right? But even Peter here was down in a little bit of a valley, just like Ezekiel. So I kind of see that as a, as a similar situation. And so Ezekiel's answer is a little tentative, but there's faith there. And he's showing his faith, and he believes, because we got the, we got the Son of Man here, speaking to the sovereign God and our sovereign God can do anything so even though he wasn't shouting from the mountaintop you can do anything in that little you know there was that I don't know but you do I believe that you do I believe that you know what can happen you know so what was the answer to the question was it possible could they live can they live let's take a look at that and verse 4 God tells Ezekiel, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. So in his situation, in his despondency, in his discouragement, in his valley, God is telling Ezekiel to take action. He's telling him to do something. Do you not see that that's what God is telling us in our situation as well? Because we owe oh, how we love to hang our head and owe oh, how we like to kick the can down the road. But when we get right down to it, are we willing to listen to God, to trust God, and to do what God says? And that's exactly where Ezekiel was. That's exactly what Ezekiel did. God said, speak my word over these bones. And what, what good is that going to do? Does the word of God bring life? Is there life in the word of God? There absolutely is. In John chapter 6, verse 63 the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. So words that are anointed by the Spirit of God, which the Word of God is, are going to bring life. And that's what God was saying to Ezekiel. He said, Ezekiel, let's begin with this. You prophesy to these bones. And you say to these bones, hear the word of the Lord. And as you speak the words that I have given you to speak, it's going to ignite a process of life in those bones what so this is really going to happen this is something that that can take place this is something that's that's going to be a real thing just speaking the words of god are the words of god powerful well think about this they're on the boat there's a storm it looks pretty bad and then jesus says peace be still the words of the lord peace be still what happened the storm calmed down, didn't it? Think about uh, Joshua. When Joshua said, Sun, stand still. And it kept the daylight from ending. Those were words from the Lord. You know, the, the, when God orders it, there is power behind it. We don't have... Well, we do have to go back a long ways. And look at the book of Genesis. And what did he say there? Let there be light. And what happened? The words of God are powerful, aren't they? So maybe taking the word of God and apply it to whatever my situation is, is a good idea. There's an idea. Let's think about that as we keep moving. Verse 5 says, Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live. So Ezekiel spoke it, and God brought it to pass. 
So when God tells us to do something, it sounds to me like all we have to do is obey. And that's for us. That's for me and that's for you. When God tells us to do something, all we have to do is obey. We don't have to go across the world. We don't have to perform miracles. We don't have to give up everything that we enjoy and tell the people we love. I have to, I'll have to leave you for 10 years. Maybe I'll see you when I get back. Maybe I won't. No, all we have to do is be obedient to God. We just have to do what God says. What are some of the things that God says? Trust me. Take a step of faith. I'm going to be right there with you. Go and make it a disciple. Love me with all your heart. Love one another. Trust me. Trust me. That's what God says to us. And all we have to do is obey. And even if we don't understand all the ins and outs of what's going to happen next, that's going to be okay, right? Because that's where faith comes in, right? Think about old Columbus. This is Labor Day, not Columbus Day, but we're going to talk about Columbus for just a minute. When Columbus left Spain, he didn't know where he was going, did he? When Columbus got there, here, he didn't know where he was, did he? When he left here and went back to Spain, he didn't really know where he had been, did he? <laughs> so if God can work in a situation like that, if God, if God can accomplish great things in a situation or a condition like that, there's hope for you and me too, right? Because half the time when I'm walking through that door coming out here or coming up these steps, I'm saying to myself, what am I doing? Where am I going? Where is this leading? And you just have to trust the Lord. And that's what I'm doing up here. Without him, this guy up here would not be here. Let me, trust, let me tell you. I have to trust him. And we have to trust him in every situation. For our young people. When they decide who's going to teach the class on Wednesday night. Let me encourage you to trust the Lord. To give you direction and inspiration. And as you study the word of God, he will give you things to say. That's, that's our God. We can trust our God. Amen? So God can do great things through a person who's just willing to be obedient. Like Ezekiel. Like, like you. And, and like me. And this whole purpose, the whole situation took place because God was inter interested in a little word called restoration. He wanted to restore wanted to restore something he was wanting the people to go through a process of restoration he wanted life to be brought back to these people he wanted he was trying to show that as life comes back into these bones these dry dead bones life can come back into the people and as you feel dead literally figuratively or ever how i want to say that in your hopeless situation as you feel dead God wants you to know that he can restore you in that situation. He wants you to know that he could bring you back to life in that situation. Verse 7 says, So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied there was a noise, and suddenly a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to bone. Now just imagine what Ezekiel felt like. Because where there was no noise, all of a sudden there was clatter and clunking and knocking and, and strange noises taking place. Now, this is where the horror movie comes in, right? And all these bones, they start to come together. And that's where, you know, the, the toe bone connects to the foot bone. 
and the foot bone connects to the ankle bone and the ankle bone connects to the uh, leg bone and the knee bone and the thigh bone. You know what I'm talking about. So everything starts coming together. And what an amazing thing to see and to be a part of. And everything that had laid dead and everything that had laid dry started moving around because of the power of the Word of God. And once again, it wasn't random. These things were, were coming back together, bone to bone, as they were supposed to. And, you know, think about this. It's not really that much of a stretch to think that the bones of, of God's church in this country are laying around all over this country. And why would that be? Well, it's because many people who were once in church, maybe they're disillusioned with church, and they have become very, very dry because of it. And life is found in our connection with God. We don't have life. We don't have new life. We don't have real life unless we have had an experience with Jesus Christ. So when we pull away from church and we pull away from the things of God, even though as a true Christian we can never lose our salvation, we can become very, very dry. Maybe we've experienced what we would consider a dry Christian. Uh, no love, no joy, no excitement in serving God and living in this world. And we might look at these kinds of people and say, those people, there's no hope for them. They are never going to come around. They are never going to get back to where they need to be. But we've got to understand that nothing is too hard for our God. And God knows their heart, and God knows the plans that he has for those people. So what it is left up to, it's left up to you and me as his children to just go out and declare the word of God when we have an opportunity to do so. Do you go to church? Oh, you used to go to church? Oh, that happened to you? Boy, I hate that. I really hate that. I'm going to pray for you because I think there's a church out there that can benefit from, from the gifts that God has given you. And I believe that God still has something to do in your life. How do I know that? Well, you're still breathing. And as long as you're breathing, God can use you. Would you consider that? Let's join together. Let's pray together. Let's believe the promises of God together. Let's trust God. Let's see what God can do. And watch those dry bones come to life. Hopefully, when that happens, we don't hear a clickety-clack. More maybe a glory or an amen would be better and more fitting. But let's not give up on each other. Let's not give up on people. And most importantly, let's not give up on God because look what God's already done in your life. Would you consider it a miracle that you're here today? Some of you have been through uh, uh, life-threatening situations. Some of you have been through uh, uh, life-altering situations. Uh, some of you have uh, had devastating situations within your family, but still you're trusting in God and you're, you're faithful to Him and to His house. It's, it's a miracle, maybe that all of us are here this morning. But there was still work to do. These bones had been put together. But something still had to be done. Because even though something looks good on the outside and the sinew and the flesh have been formed, sometimes things can look good on the outside, but there's something missing on the inside. And I think we all understand the idea there. So what had to happen next was that the breath of God had to be breathed into these bones. And that's exactly what took place. Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath or the wind. Uh, Thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe 
down slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me. And there's a lot that we could talk about there about the breath of God. Breathe on me, O breath of God. Think about how when God formed Adam from the dust of the earth, he breathed life into him. He breathes life into us as well. And when the life came into those bones, as God had said that they would, if Ezekiel would be obedient, a couple of things happened. The first thing that happened is they stood up. They rose to their feet and they became active. And that's what happens to us. And that's what happens to you and me. When we let the power of the word of God and the breath of God move us to be obedient to him and to do what he has called us to do. So they stood up and what else happened? They became an exceeding great army as we read in scripture. And as Elizabeth sang in that song, they became an army ready and equipped for the Lord's battles. An exceedingly great army. And as we continue to read, we don't have to, again, we don't have to try to figure out what the interpretation of this is. Was this just a little story to induce nightmares and little children all through the ages? That, that dry bones could come to life and be scary and, and scare you? No, absolutely not. He tells us exactly what takes place. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. This is what this represents, and this is what I want you to get. And this is for us too. These bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. So these bones were the whole house of Israel. And this is a prophecy to the nation of Israel. So even though at the moment they were in a state of hopelessness, despondency, discouragement, much like we find ourselves in some days, they were, they were captives in Babylon. They felt like they were dead. They felt like dead and dry bones. And their hope was lost, and they considered themselves cut off from their homeland. They considered themselves forsaken by God. Imagine, how, how is it that a people who have been given so much, and all God says is, I want you to do this, and they don't do it, so things happen that God said would happen if they weren't obedient and these things that they, they were told would happen if they weren't obedient happened. And then they go off and they say, well, we've been forsaken by God. It's amazing, isn't it? And we, but I can see me and I can see you saying the same thing. They didn't say, well, God told us not to and here we are. And I guess this is where we're at. So we might as well make the best of it. God said, I will bring you out of your prison. That feels like graves, and I will bring you back to your homeland. And we read there at the end that after 70 years, King Cyrus issued a decree, and he allowed Jerusalem to go back. Allowed them to go back, excuse me, allowed them to go back to Jerusalem. And it was an answer to the prayers. It was an answer to prayers. So those things that were dead and those things that were dry did come back to life. And what a great story, and what a great way to get our attention. And what a great example of what God can do with an obedient servant. Things that you would feel could never happen or could never take place. In your impossible situation that you feel like you can't do anything about it. Our God can do something about it. 
Oh, God, you know. Oh, God, you can. So here's the application for us today. So when we think that everything is hopeless, and we might imagine God asking to us, Hey, William. Hey, Scott. Hey, Jeanette. Hey, Wanda. Hey, Carla. Can these bones live? Our answer should be, even as Ezekiel's, Lord God, you know. You know if they can. And when he tells us to speak or preach the word of the Lord, or he says, speak these words over your situation, or in your situation, or over these people, or over what is going on, then we need to be obedient, and we need to do that very thing. And in an act of faith, do what God says, and God will honor our faith. He will honor our acts of faith. So what we do is we begin to do things like we declare the word of God over our finances. God, your word says that you own the cattle on a thousand hills. And there is nothing here that is not yours. And I know that you can more than take care of this financial burden and responsibility that I have. So here I am. I am present in this situation. And I will be obedient and I will do what you tell me to do. But I speak your truth over this situation. You are here to provide for me. And I am your child. So do what you want to do. And you speak God over whatever situation. If it's, if it's sickness... Speak that you know that God is the healer and he can take care of whatever sickness you have or whatever ails you. The scriptures say that you are the great healer. And throughout history, we saw the the miracles that you performed. I believe that you can do that in my life and in my body. And so if you choose to do that, I'm here and I am present and I will do whatever that you want me to do. But here's what I will not do. And this is where we have to have some resolve and we have to again have faith. I will not lay down like a dead, dry bone. I will not be dead. Because your life has given me new life. Your breath has breathed life into me. That's the power of the Word of God. And if it can do that, then it can take care of my situation. And it can take care of this situation. Just... just. Listen to this. When you were lost, when you were a sinner on your way to hell, you were a dead man and a dead woman walking. There was no hope for you in your life because you didn't know who Jesus was. You hadn't accepted His sacrifice. You weren't trusting in Him. So you were dead and you were dry. But then you had an encounter with him through the word of God, the powerful word of God that shows us and tells us who he is. And through the word of God, we heard the gospel. We heard the truth. And it did something within us. It went out to accomplish something and it accomplished it. The Holy Spirit began to deal with our heart. Wait a minute, my life wrong all this time. So you mean to say that I don't have to carry this guilt? And I don't have to bear the weight of all the bad choices that I've made. And I can give that to you and you'll take it from me. And you actually died 2,000 years ago so that I wouldn't have to. And so you said, I believe, I trust, I accept, I want you in my life. And in that moment, he called out to dry bones and they came alive. You came alive. He can do that. Even today, 
And he is doing it even today. So if he can do that, it's a big, big thing, my people. That's a big, big thing. <laughs> can he not help you in your situation that seems hopeless? I think, oh God, he knows. And I think, my friend, he can. Let's all stand. I want you to bow your heads for just a moment and I want you to think about your impossible situation. And maybe this morning you just need to agree with God that he can take care of it and you're just going to put it in his hands and let him take care of it. And maybe the response that you need is to come and talk to him about that this morning and agree with him as David plays just a little bit of music before we go. Think about it. What's your situation? I had an impossible day Friday. It was an impossible day. I'm still here. He brought me through it. There were moments when I was in despondency. I think even as Ezekiel was. Maybe not as low because he had been in his situation for a long time. But you know, when one thing happens, it gets tough. And then when another thing happens, it gets a little tougher. And then you begin to wonder if anything good's ever going to happen again. You know what I'm talking about. And God reminded me, hey, I got you. This is just, these are just things that happen on earth. You don't have to worry about these things in heaven. But you're going to experience it down here. And I want you to know, you, you got, got me. And I got you. So we need to acknowledge that this morning. Maybe you've never taken the step to accept Christ. It's always been something you heard about and wanted to do. But you feel compelled by the power of the Holy Spirit this morning to accept it, to accept salvation, to accept forgiveness. And that's something you want to do. You can come forward this morning too. Maybe you know that this is the church that you want to call home. And you want to offer yourself and your gifts for the glory of God. And you're welcome to do that as well. to uh, go ahead and have prayer and dismiss. Um, I appreciate your, your attention this morning. I hope you didn't feel like your captivity or your impossible situation is that you were never going to get out of here because I just saw what time it was, and I appreciate, again, your patience. went a little bit long this morning, 
my Labor Day message, which was intended for this morning, was a lot shorter. So if you want to come and hear that tonight, you're welcome to do so. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, what a blessing uh, it is to know that you can do all things and that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Help us to understand what that really means, and that is that we just trust you completely for everything. Too many times we allow ourselves to get into a situation. Sometimes it's because of sin. Sometimes it's uh, because we're just taking a look at the circumstances around us and we've taken our eyes off of you. So help us to remember to keep our eyes on you. And help us to remember stories like this, that where things seem hopeless and helpless, uh, that's where you do some of your best work. And we're grateful for that because in this life we need that. We need that encouragement. We need those reminders. We just need you. And help us to be uh, able and willing to admit that um, we are nothing, nothing without you. Thank you for providing a way for us to know you. Please keep all of our uh, family that are out and traveling safe. Bring them back safely as they come off of their vacations. Thank you, Father, for how you love us. All these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed. <laughs>